You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken and Ethan. I'm Ken, Certified Financial Planner with a Master's Degree in Financial Analysis and approximately 17 years of investment experience. Next to me today is Ethan Broga, as usual. Good afternoon, Ethan. Hey, Ken. I was just recounting that experience with uh, one of our uh, operations manager, Jamie, this morning. I didn't realize how, how long it's actually been. Right. And you and I have been working together for, what, a good seven years now? Yeah, since 2003. Um, so it's been a little more than good times. <laughs> Indeed, mostly. This show is designed to share with you prudent investing and financial planning ideas. We want you to make a lifetime of smart financial decisions starting today and every day going forward. So the way we approach our investment advice tends to be based upon the teach a man to fish versus give a man a fish concept of if you can understand basic investing principles as the technology and and the uh, science of investing evolves. We want to share those ideas with you. And uh, ideally, we think that you should be connected to a, a fiduciary type advisor. That just means somebody who really has at their at their heart your best interest. If I could distill that down for you, Ethan. Right. That's what we do at our, with our practice. And um, so that's the, t- the what we're, we're doing here on the show. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas or the things that you're, you're contemplating, whether it's a financial planning issue, any type of financial matter, actually, if you email us, contact at empiradio.com. That would be ideal because it'd give us a little bit of time. This is a live program, but it'd give us some time to research the topic uh, thoroughly. If it's a pretty standard investment or financial planning question, highly likely with the brain power and the experience Ethan has here, that he'll give you an answer immediately. He's a On the spot. virtuoso of the investment and financial industry. If you want to call us on the program, the number to call in during the show is 866 866- 472, that's 5790, 866-472-5790. And Ethan, uh, if you want to, would you mind giving kind of the call to action for advisors out there? Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, as in the past, we, we're, we're looking to grow our, our practice, we're looking to grow our a company, and the way we've chosen to do that, at least uh, the, the primary way, is to, to connect with other uh experienced advisors out in, in the industry who are perhaps looking at this point in their career to partner up with a, a well-established firm with a, um, an excellent handle on how, how to invest in, in financial planning practices, but also provide you the, as the advisor the infrastructure to help you run your business most effectively so you can spend most of your time talking with clients and helping them do the right thing. So if you'd like to contact us regarding that, feel free to give us a call here at the Empirical Headquarters in Seattle at uh, 206-923-3474. And feel free to ask for Ken or Ethan. Ethan, what what is our mission? Do you know? Is that a is that a tough question? <laughs> uh, well, I know on our website, right? We have a, a advice you can trust is sort of our tagline. Uh, provide um, the most effective, uh, highest quality, highest quality, most, most effective, effective uh, investment financial planning advice available. Yeah, and so that's if you're an advisor out there, that's what we're looking to do. And just to, I, I kind of caught Ethan on on the spot there, but uh, this is live. Isn't uh, it? The mission here is to provide our clients with the highest quality, most effective, and again, I'm summarizing myself, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. That's what we want to do, and so that's why we want to grow, uh, not for the sake of growing, but because, as we recently were talking in the in the letter that I wrote, and I. Hope we'll talk about today retirement distribution ideas. Right. Um, Russell's coming in here with our market update sheet, I think. Um, but our, our our the point of that is, um, Ethan, is is that we we want to do it because there's such a small percentage of people who are actually prepared to retire. Um, we know that 
most of the studies show that the individuals, all of us, out there investing individually are not fully participating in capital market returns to the degree we should be and that we deserve to be. And what that means is that we're, we're underperforming basic indexes. You know, in the Dalbar studies, if you just Google Dalbar study, um, they update it from time to time. And in recent years, they go back 20-year periods. And what you see, the average equity or stock investor does not get not only the, the S&P 500 returns, but in some cases, they barely are beating inflation over a 20-year period of time. And the average bond investor doesn't doesn't beat just a typical bond index on average, and they've underperformed inflation for the last 20 years. And uh, I think we know the reasons for that have, have to do with, as an individual, not staying up with the current research and not applying that in a systematic, disciplined way. Instead, we're making decisions haphazardly over time, and usually at extreme periods, we leave our portfolio alone. As long as it's doing okay, we don't really look at it, even if it's underperforming right. standard benchmarks. As long as it's not going down, a lot of times we, we're not that in, incented to take a look, even though we should be doing those, those periods of time. And when the market goes down substantially, oftentimes investors bail out at the very bottom of the market, only to get back in near the top again. I know you've done a little paper or a little... Uh, thing in our brochure about the fear and greed cycle, right there, Ethan. Um, and then, among other things, we spent an uh, enormous amount of time looking at the research for what types of investment asset classes should belong in your portfolio. And I don't think most of us know. I don't think that's the way most people start their their research process. Definitely not. I, my experience, even recently, has just been, and over the years, um, most people when they're looking at hey, what investments to own. Uh, assuming let's say it's outside of an individual stock, just like a mutual fund, well, they'll easily look to the the things that have done well recently. Hey, this one has a good track record over whatever period of time they're concerned about, three, five, ten years perhaps, but not really understand why the returns were what they were and what expectations they should have in the future for those asset classes included in that portfolio. So I I agree with you. Science has shown us, the research done is the better, the best way to approach your investments is to start with big picture, big building blocks, right? And then get into the very finite details. If we were building a house, it'd be the foundation and the structure and how many rooms. Before we got to putting in trim, right? And light switch covers and those kinds of things. But most people like to start with the fine details. Yeah, like a blueprint. Right. And, and what we see is that they aggregate investments having no idea exactly how they fit into a portfolio context. So whether they're chasing hot stocks, you know, and an example would be, hey, should I own Facebook? You know, should I get in on the IPO? Should I buy? If I can't get the IPO, should I be buying it as soon as it's available on the publicly traded stock market, which would really, really be the very, very last question an investor should ask themselves. There should be several in advance of that. And, I don't know, if, and we're just diving in here, Ethan, but if I could roll with this. Let's, let's do it. We'll start it, and then I'd like to roll that into maybe the market update and uh, before we end the show, but also talk about this re- dynamic retirement distribution system that we've created and how that works. And, okay. But it's all relevant and it all ties in, and I think it's worth, I haven't done in a while, what our approach to this is. If you're sitting out there and you're wondering, hey, Am I doing a good job with my investments or is my financial advisor, broker, banker, whoever's helping you manage your money, are they on the right track? Because a lot of the people, even the professionals, didn't come from a background of understanding or getting master's degrees or or upper level degrees in capital market research, right? A lot of times they're just very good personable people and there's nothing wrong with that. We need that being the relationship part of our industry is very important. You have to trust and be able to communicate and connect. But also, it's equally important that they have sound investment principle and theory behind what they're doing for you. And so in our view, that starts with, before we talk about buying an IPO, Facebook IPO, um, should we be owning stocks? Should we be owning fixed income? Should we own real estate? Should we own Commodities. Should we be owning gold rather than talking about gold in isolation as some kind of hot investment of this time? 
should we own that? And I was meeting with a very nice couple the other day, and I was explaining a little bit about our philosophy that where I see a lot of the mistakes over over the 17 years that I've been in this, thousands of people that I've met, investors that we've seen, the big mistakes are not whether they've picked some manager that's in a diversified mutual fund that happened to beat some index in the last 10 years versus another manager who maybe beat it a little bit more or less. That's not been the big issue. It's the very large moves that they make from coming into the tech bubble, progressively ignoring very relevant, important investment asset classes like value companies or small companies or bonds even when Mm -hmm. we went through the the bubble, uh, what ultimately became the technology bubble, initially started in the 80s, just a very great uh, bull market into stocks, was that at the end of it, you had a lot of people who not only were were not including bonds in their portfolio, but they weren't even diversifying the equities. <laughs> right, right. They went from owning broadly diversified mutual funds to the mutual funds that concentrated just on technology stocks to flat out owning a few technology stocks. Um, only until that bubble burst and with whatever capital didn't get lost, uh, quickly got put into real estate because 2000, 2001, 2002, for people who weren't properly diversified, that was a, a very difficult period of time in the stock market and ultimately led a lot of people to become disillusioned with their investment opportunities there. And the notion that real estate would never go down and it's always gone up and that's where I can get my arms around the investment. And so then you had that until the real estate bubble, right? And now what is it? You know, Well, for a time it was bonds, but now that was supposedly in a bubble. Treasuries, right? Treasuries, right? And then it's gold. Gold has been right. in the last few years a big push for the gold, mostly by people who are selling gold. Yeah. But the the point of it is, is that we believe you should start with wherever you are in life, understanding what is it I'm trying to accomplish, what kind of returns do I need, how much risk can I tolerate, and what's the best way to mix different investment asset classes together, and not because I'm chasing some future prediction of what's going to happen tomorrow in a particular category or a particular stock, but because these are viable asset classes that should generate some positive return over my future time horizon. And while I don't know which one of these will do best in any single month, quarter, or year, or even five years, I know that all of them have some expected return and when I mix them together, I lower my chances that any one of them is going to go completely bust or that I'll miss the one that's doing really well, the boom. Um, and then I should diversify those those assets back to target mixes based on the risk that was appropriate. That risk should change as my time frame changes and as my personal situation changes over time. And the very last thing that you should get into is is actually looking at individual securities or funds, and we think that's very important, and a lot of people get it wrong. Yeah, the order is important. I'd agree with you 100%. Uh, you, you lay out your, your plan first, the purpose for what you're trying to do, and then you go out, once you've determined what you should be doing, the, the actual investments to, to fill each of those parts of the portfolio. So, yeah, I agree 100% that the, the, the investment selection, the security selection, is, is oftentimes among all things considered, the least important I mean, in terms of an order of importance anyway. Oh, it is important too, but it's it's not something that should be, um, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't wag the dog as it were. The issue is that it's one of the least controllable factors, right? If, if I chose to only pick one stock and that was going to be my portfolio, what that stock is actually going to do over the next day, month, year, five years versus any other stock that I would pick randomly is very, very hard to control. And if you actually did this experiment, you would find more times than not, you would be so far off the mark that you wouldn't engage in that behavior anymore. And what I mean by that is pick any stock you like and then say one year from now, the stock will be up or down this percentage and then hold yourself accountable to that prediction. Very, very difficult. It's not a function of how good the company is. You can have the best run company in the world are great companies that the return that they receive in the in the subsequent one or two or three or whatever period of time um, does not necessarily correlate. The, the company can be 
fully valued to reflect all of its great prospects. So if it achieves all those goals, it will simply do what the market return is. Typically, it's only if they exceed what everyone else in the market thinks they should do, right? Mm -hmm. And the analogy I've heard is the idea of betting on different football teams. Hey, if you bet on a team that's got a great track record, who's got a great set of superstars on the team, right, and you go to the the bookie, um, the they're going to set the odds in relation to that team for a team that's just unhorrible. And if those two teams are going to play, it's not enough for you to be able to bet on the better team because there's going to be a point spread and there's going to be odds that should reflect the, the differences in the quality of those two teams. The market's pretty good about doing that. And so that's what we mean by saying it's, hey, it's not that it's not important what type of investment vehicles you pick. But it's more important that you understand as an asset class or as a group how much risk should I, should I be taking. Should I be owning stocks at all? And if I do, what groups do I want to own? We'll pick up on this. It looks like we can take a quick break uh, when we come back, and we'll talk a little bit about this reti- dynamic retirement distribution system. Thanks a lot. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm my name is simon Liu, portfolio manager with empirical wealth management inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307 that's 1-800-923-4307 Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Uh, Empirical Investing Radio, your co-host, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith here. Um, just a real quick shout-out to everybody. If you'd like to give us a call again, um, we'd love to read your question on the air. Uh, you can get a hold of us at 866-472-5790. And if you prefer email, you can reach us at contact at empiradio.com. And, uh, Ken, before the break, we were just, just talking about um, the idea of, of what, when do you pick the securities or when do you choose what securities to own in your portfolio? And I wonder if you had any more closing thoughts on that. 
Yeah, well, it, it, I do. And uh, one thing real quick, Ethan, I wanted to mention is that I was looking at the numbers from the Voice America program. And over the last year, we've doubled the number of people listening uh, and pulling down the show. Did you say doubled? That's a duble, 100% um, growth, it looks like, on average. So anyway, I just wanted to offer for anyone out there that's listening, if you are interested in advertising on, on the program, um, you can call us directly, actually. We'd love to talk to you directly. And uh, and again, the the number here at the office, also if you're, this is the same number if you're an investor and you just want to talk about your personal situation and want a new obligation overview of what you're currently doing and how we might be able to help you going forward. Call us anytime throughout the week at uh, 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Okay. Uh, yeah, what I was saying, Ethan, was <clears throat> it should be the very last thing that you um, work on. And while it is very important, um, there should be a model or, or some premise around what you're picking. So it starts with, geez, do I want to own stocks okay if i do what kind of stocks should i own and you should be looking at them as groups of stocks and beyond far beyond industry sectors uh, there's been very little evidence that over the long term and this is again going back to if you look at the studies of how individual investors have done they've done so poorly part of it is i believe they're chasing hot sectors of the economy or the market only to find out by the time they're hot it's highly likely that the trend will reverse, right. um, and it's very difficult to know when that will happen. So, again, thinking of technology or if it was back in time, the Nifty 50 yep. group of stocks and anything with some kind of uh, uh, technology. Yeah, even, even recently, you know, there's been an emphasis, uh, emphasis on uh, dividend, dividend-paying stocks, right, mm-hmm. over the last couple of years because they've done particularly well versus perhaps the broader market. Um, but those are types of things that, are, that emerge from time to time, you know, an outperformance of a particular asset class. It doesn't mean that it's going to be the same over all time periods, even though it, it may be the same over a smaller time period. Exactly. Right. So our advice is, and how we would look at this, is to start with all, your list of viable investment asset classes, things like large U.S. companies, small U.S. companies, microcap U.S. companies, value companies versus growth companies. These these are categories of the stock market that academics have been able to identify or trace back certain risk return characteristics that would be reasonable to project or utilize to divide up your your portfolio in a way that you're looking forward into the future, not just looking at what's happened in the past. And then trying to repeat that because that's been the hot group. But if you were to apply this in the future, there's an economic, there's economic principles behind that that would say, hey, there's a reason why we could count on some of these relationships working out in a forward looking model. So, um, with that being said, then, Ethan, once you've identified those investment categories, real estate or REITs, um, U.S. internationally, take the U.S. market divided up in that way, and then I would take the international markets and the emerging markets and divide them up in that way. But there should be some, rather than chasing some company or single company and then worrying about where it falls into the scheme of things, it should be the opposite. I want to own a certain amount of large companies. Well, now how do I get that? And your choice could be, hey, I could just go out and pick some large individual stocks, or I could trust another manager i could put money in a mutual fund or a managed account or a stock picker who maybe they don't like mutual funds a guy like fisher for example who says hey i don't really care for the mutual fund structure the funny part about that is he is just a mutual fund i mean other than you get to own the stocks it's the same approach yeah so if he doesn't like them he shouldn't like himself I don't like that approach for a variety of reasons that are all based in overwhelming evidence. Um, but part of that, the reason why I don't like them is it's very difficult to get education if you do it that way. Well, plus they have the added uh, disadvantage that they're constantly market timing. Right. You know, going in and out of stocks, making the right calls, or in, in a lot of cases, not the right calls. So 
you you may be doing it individually. It's no different if you're doing it yourself or if you have someone else doing it for you. But our idea would be, well, why do I want to own these these companies? Why do I want to own large versus small? Well, because as groups, they have certain risk and return characteristics that I can classify. And highly likely, if I own a large portion of that group, count on in the future. Right. So even if I own the best, what I consider the best large company in the world, or what you do, maybe you like Apple, for example, and it's one of the largest in the U.S. stock market and around the world currently. So you want to own, maybe you decide you want to own that individually, right? Um, even if you do so, there is a chance that it could do very poorly over the time that you hold it relative to other stocks in the stock market. Well, sure. Just because it is the largest company now doesn't mean company in the future. Right. So anytime you deviate from holding a broader sample, you take on the chance of not doing as well. You also get the chance that maybe you'll do better. That's true. But you you take on some risk that, hey, in the end of the 10 years, my small sample of stocks did not represent what large U.S. American companies did in terms of return. So we would we would advocate broadly diversified um, index-type mutual funds. So we don't use traditional index-type funds all the time. But um, for the average person out there, something that owns – for each category, several hundred stocks. And once they start to diversify that way, their cost should be pretty low um, because they're not trying to constantly trade in and out of stocks to, in, in hopes of beating the benchmark. What they're trying to do is capture it as efficiently as possible for the, for the investors, what we're looking for. And so if you are paying for your equity portion of your portfolio on average, I would say if you're paying more than... 40 or 50 basis points as a whole, you might want to examine that, You know whether it's through your advisor or you're owning these. If you're just owning individual stocks, yeah, you're not paying that, that expense ratio, right? That you right, can, no cost involved. Really. But the real cost it far outweighs the 50 basis points or less that we would recommend that you pay is the lack of diversification or the opportunity cost mm-hmm. of holding what we would call an active portfolio. Even if you never trade it, it's active and that... It's very unlikely that you will own 5,000 U.S. stocks individually. Right. Um, you know, unless you're Bill Gates and can go out and buy all five in substantial portion. But at the cost that we can own all 5,000 through a structured fund, it doesn't make sense to do it that way. Right. So when you get down to it, Ethan, that's why at the end, um, while very critically important, we monitor every single position that we own, um, we're picking from you know the the what I would believe are the best funds in the world, and so the difference between one versus the other is going to pick runners at the end. You know, maybe it's a half of a second difference, right? Um, versus you know an Olympic runner going against you, Ethan. I'm not especially quick <laughs> or fast. Very, very strong, but not not so fast. Right, you're strong <laughs> like bull. So anyway. That that that's my theory on on all of that, Ethan. And it was it was nice to review that. Thanks for for letting me do that. Of course, no no problem. So next, um, you were you were asking about the retirement distribution program here. Yeah, I know we had a, a I think a pretty nice quarterly letter come out this last uh, last week or so. It's top drawer. Um, uh, I really enjoyed. <laughs> Uh, reading it and contributing a little bit to it, but uh, most of the topic is obviously of interest for folks because, um, well, I mean, if not, most people are building up a portfolio for the very reason to take money out over over some period of time. So it really is a critical issue for at some point in time for for all investors. So I wouldn't mind uh, hearing more about you, about your thoughts on the letter and just the strategy in general. Well, all the principles we just talked about would apply to this. Uh, oh, yeah, I got a smoothie coming in here, bro. You can order smoothies um, on the air? Yeah, smoothie time. I had no idea. Thanks, Drew. Well, so, next, uh, next time, don't 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 leave me out, bro. Yeah. I, <laughs> if I would have known you were interested. I love smoothies. I would have dialed you in. All right, well, anyway, back to the show here. Um, <laughs> all those principles apply, right? Those are just – those investment pr- principles are automatic with us. Yeah. Um, so the retirement planning process that we do assumes – 
that we are really maximizing what capital markets, when I say capital markets, I mean investments, what investments have to offer us. So whether it's the bond portion or the stock portion, we've got a very thorough process of how we get to those investments and how we utilize time as an ally. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by that is if you know are very clear what your plan is, if you have the advantage of having a plan, and you know what the timeline is, it gives you the power then to align different investments to those time frames and really maximize your return opportunity. So if you have a one-year time horizon and you are buying very risky, volatile investments that say 50% of the year, and I'm making these numbers up, okay, so don't take this literally to any stock. I, I'm trying to make an illustration here making these numbers up. But let's say that that... 60% of the time, just to make it fun, if it had a negative 40% return in any single year period. But the other 40% of the time, if you held that investment for, say, 20 years, it had a 100% uh, outcome of being a positive return, substantially positive return. Right. Does that make sense? So, yes. Hey, geez, in any one year, I've got a 60% chance I'm going to lose 20%. That's risk. But right. if I can hold it for 20 years, it's 100% chance that I'm going to come out and earn, let's say, 10% a year, for example. Right. Well, the benefit of then having a plan and saying, well, I'm not just throwing this money into into this bucket because I'm randomly chasing, haphazardly chasing investments that I think will do well, and I don't understand the statistics around I don't even know what the odds are. If you know that information, it would be prudent then to say, geez, I will align that investment that I just described to you to my 20-year time horizon. I'll find some other one that, that matches up with my one-year time horizon. So if I have a one-year time horizon, maybe I'm going to have to accept a smaller rate of return to guarantee that it'll be a positive one over that one year. Mm -hmm. So in our world, what that might mean now is, geez, I better have a bond or something pretty conservative, a CD, a treasury bill, maybe even investment-grade corporate bonds, um, money market or something, I'm not going to earn a whole lot of money money on it. In fact, I might even lose some uh, on an inflation-adjusted basis if I'm not careful, right? I could, I could, but in terms of it going down, historically, there's a 100% chance that I'm going to wind up getting my money back and being able to use it for the goals that I had set that money aside for. Are you following me, Ethan? Does I that do. make sense? Let me take a small smoothie break while you ponder. <laughs> mm. That's delicious. It looks really good. Yeah, it's a good one. Um. So, so keep that in mind as we talk about this. So when we do design financial plans, and we've got a couple minutes, so I'll try to set the stage here. Well, when you, we design financial plans, remember we had the CEO of uh, Financeware come on? Yeah, David, David Loper. Loper. Yeah, the Loper. Yeah. He came on and um, talked a little bit about his unique process that he's, in, he's actually in. It was in a battle with one of the big wirehouses who, who apparently were, were trying to duplicate or copy his patented system. Right. But in reality, what he was doing is, is something that planning, since for the 17 years that I've been doing this now, um, isn't too far from what planners do, which is they, they design a plan that takes all your investment assets, figures out how to allocate them, and then how to distribute income throughout your retirement. Uh, with some investment allocation and some return assumptions. And in the recent couple of decades, it's become just generally accepted that you need to account for market volatility. So if you have a 50% stock and a 50% bond portfolio, it's not reasonable now. Most people agree that you would use some flat rate of return, 6% every single year kind of a deal. Right. So they call that a Monte Carlo analysis in a lot of cases, and it basically runs random market scenarios. So in our case, the Financeware, Dave system, it runs a thousand different market uh, scenarios. Mm -hmm. From that, then you get a percentage in which you're successful based on all your inputs. Hey, I have a million bucks and I want to draw out 50,000 a year or whatever the number is, and if I invest it this way, and let's run it through these market simulations with our expected returns and past volatility. And theoretically, if you got something in the neighborhood of 85% success, Ethan would say, hey, that's pretty good. It's reasonable. We're on. Tr we're reasonably on track. Right. Um, so I think we got a few more minutes here, Simon. Is that okay? 
And uh, that's kind of the traditional approach we've been doing, right? Well, one of the things about that that I've experienced is when we get through a tough market, even though it was accounted for, right? I mean, what happens if we happen to be in the 15% time period at the beginning of the plan that didn't work? So what does that mean? Yeah. I think that's where a lot of people are, get nervous because it's like, hey, we had 85%. I just automatically thought I would always win. But what happens if the first year or five or ten years happen to be that 15 that weren't so good? Right. What do you do and how do you make sure, how do you feel that you're going to get to where you want to get? Right. Talk to me. Yeah, well, in this case, I mean, uh, you have to make some changes. I mean, according to the plan anyway, looking at the Monte Carlo analysis, if the rate of failure starts to go up to an unacceptable level, it means that we have to make some changes in the real world. That's basically what it amounts to. And those changes could be could be temporary or permanent changes. depends on the severity of the, the situation. If if that's not clear to the average person, and we were saying the statistics show that his, we are at a historically low rate of people feeling comfortable that they'll be able to retire comfortably, it's like 14% of people feel that they'll, they'll be able to retire comfortably right now. Mm-hmm. But yet only 17% have having done any planning, according to the same survey, right? Right. Well, I think one way and what I was trying to do with this paper, and if you want a copy, give us a call or email us. Um, I think we're going to have to take a quick break. In the last segment, though, I'd kind of like to take you through what this process looks like and how it can help you to be a little more comfortable that you should stick with your plan. Sounds good. So we'll take a quick uh, we'll take a quick break. Again, if you want to call us during the show here and chime in, it's 866 472 5790 or contact at empiradio.com is email. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio. Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor, or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact 
at EMPIRadio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, here we are back with Empirical Investing Radio. Your co-host, Ethan Broga, alongside uh, Ken Smith. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, Ken. <laughs> Um, if you'd like good to, to be get, back, good to be back. If you'd like to get a hold of us during the show, and again, this is a live program, man. We would love to have, uh, you know, a question that could be on the topic at hand here, which happens to be retirement distribution approaches. Uh, or if you have some other question that you want to interrupt us with, you know, we'd be happy to hear from you. And you can reach us at 866-472-5790 or contact at empiradio.com. Hey, see, Simon, who's the... The gentleman who's been emailing us. Uh, That's uh, Frankie. Yeah, Frank. We haven't heard from Frank in the last couple of days, no? Yeah, we did, actually. Uh, I think he asked a question. Um, and it, the question was somewhere along the lines of whether you and I, if it was like on a zero to 100 scale. Oh, yeah, right. 100 being, um, I think, excited or exuberant. Um, something, or, uh, something about that. Aggressive or something. Um, maybe Simon can pull it up. Where do we fit? Is that it, Simon? Can oh, I see. That's um, a reasonable question. Hold on, Simon's got it right here. He's popping. He's making it larger so I can see. We had a replay last uh, last quarter. Uh, here's on a scale of zero to a hundred. Okay, uh, with a hundred being, he keeps moving it. Why, why do you keep moving it? <laughs> uh, total zero to hundred with. Oh, he moved it again. Zero. Okay, being totally conservative. Basically, cash under the mattress and U.S. government bonds and CDs, and a hundred being um, Caf- caffeine. I, I can't read that. Simon. What's that? Caffeine fueled. Caffeine fueled. Momentum based day trader. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, now the screen's dead. Okay. Uh, base day trader. Where where do they see themselves? Obviously, every client's situation is going to be different, but I. Think that planners usually have a default level of risk. For example, Bogle, Bogle, I'm sorry, buy, buy and hold low cost indexing on a, would be maybe a 25 on his zero to 100. While Warren Buffett buy controlling interests um, would be more like a 65. So where where is Ken and Ethan? Huh. Maybe we could pause and, and answer that real quick. I think it's reasonable. Yeah, it's a great question. Frank, I, I don't know. It's almost like he knows us or something. But these are good questions. We actually right now, Frank right. is my, my favorite listener. I'd like to know where he's from. No question about it. If he put in what town he's from, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to get more personal than that, but um, it'd be nice to he's know what part there. of the country Frank right. is in. All right. All right. So do you want to give your answer to that? No. Give my answer. Well, I know that uh, Bogle, for example, in, on Frank's scale, it's at 25 or so, buy and hold, side and hold of indexer. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we're too far off the mark from that. Uh, so maybe, you know. 35, something like that, in the middle of the road, I would say. I know this for sure, that I don't like extremes in either case. I don't like personally or professionally being extremely risky or risk-averse. Uh-huh. I think the, the, there's a, a balance that should be struck, and, and most likely will suit most investors with a, with a balanced approach. Well, I think part of the, the nature of the answer to that is we're not – personally, where we fit is not a reflection of what we do with clients. So he was saying each client has their own situation. What we do know is that a lot of wealth can be built by concentration. Sure. Somebody who's an entrepreneur puts everything they have into building some idea or company, right? And you think of the big companies, <clears throat> founders like Steve Jobs, right, or, or Bill Gates, or thousands of companies that were started by somebody who was willing to put in innumerable uh, – will sacrifice and put in hours and hours of work, take financial risks to the ex- extreme. I mean, even uh, Trump has filed bankruptcy, right, and and built himself back up and kept going. That That's a certain type of risk, which that is, is something that is, hey, I am personally on the quest to create a company or create wealth out of the actions that I take. Um, some of that might be very smart investments, that carry a lot of concentrated risk as well. But I think for the vast majority of the clients that we are trying to help, it's we're not helping them in that in that way as much as we are. Hey, I've, they've, how they want to preserve and protect it. It hasn't been their experience in the past to diversify. So we do believe there are risks that in the market that you get rewarded for 
when you become a passive investor, and what I mean by that is I'm buying shares, non-controlling shares of, of stocks and bonds for companies, right? So it's different when Warren Buffett takes over a company and becomes part of the management team or is running it. That's a different type of, of risk or involvement um, than when he's just passively buying a portfolio of stocks that he has no control or, or, or part of as an investment manager, right? So on the investment management side, we say, hey, the market is pretty good about pricing those uh, those risks in. It's pretty hard because no matter there's no amount of time I can put in at that company or no matter how genius I am, if I'm not contributing to that, I'm, I shouldn't get rewarded any more than the next shareholder, right? Sure. So in that case, we say, hey, we realize that there, you know, Frank, there are risks that you can get rewarded for. We don't think it's in the passive investing world. We don't think it's you buying more Apple than than what the market holds of Apple relative to some other stock. That that's the way you're going to build wealth. So even if we're incredibly risky, risk, um, risk-taking guys, that's not where I would spend my risk budget. Is picking publicly traded stocks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, in those cases, no matter how aggressive the person is, we don't think that's that's adequately rewarded risk. So we want to own broad baskets of stocks from all around. Um, does that does that make sense? And then where you are day trading is an example. We we never engage in it. We don't think it's good. Even if you're an incredible risk taker. It's a bad bet. It's like saying, hey, I'm a very aggressive guy, so I go to the casino, right, and I'm going to play against the house. Well, it, wouldn't you agree that no matter how risk, uh, risk-oriented you are, that that doesn't mean you should go there? Because it's not gonna, there's not a good chance of being rewarded in that endeavor. Right. So there's smart risk-taking, I guess what I'm saying. You can have different levels of risk, but whatever risk you take, it should be based on smart decisions. And going against those odds, just like we were talking about the Mega Millions, hey, these guys won. Three people, I think, won. Um, the guy that one of the guys that when I was just watching bought three dollars worth of tickets, right? So that was a very fortuitous event. But if would it make sense to put your entire retirement savings and life savings into that? Would that be a good risk? And we already exp- explained, no, it's a horrible risk, right? So we don't think it should be on the scale. The scale should be devised of what are good risks or, or risks that have positive expected returns. Uh huh. Yeah, that makes good sense. I like that. Okay, that's a very, very clear, uh, clear answer. Then along those risks, you can have different investors from zero to a hundred, yeah. right? But it's all rewarded. And so some things we wouldn't have on our scale, um, comparing what, what. Uh, Bogle does and advocates with passive management. That is one type of risk, and you can have a hundred on that by owning all comp- stock, right? Right. And maybe it's all small companies, right? Or emerging. There's some scale there that you can take just using passive investments. But once you start getting into other areas where the trade-offs or the expected returns are negative, we wouldn't put them on on our risk scale. Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. What's next? Well, we're just getting into before uh, I brought up Frank, which again, uh, thanks for listening, Frank, and thanks for giving us a call and email. Um, we were talking about the distribution system that you came up with uh, here recently uh, as a way to help folks navigate through the decumulation phase of their retirement. So the part of the retirement where they're actually taking money from a portfolio and constructing that in a way that gives them a high probability of success, but also uh, helps them be at ease with the, the decision of how they structure the portfolio. So right before the break, I think we were talking about um, some of the differences in, in contrasting the traditional planning approach with this new approach. And all the new approach was, Ethan, um, is the idea of taking a consolidated financial plan and being able to segment it into different time frames, which I refer to as time tranches. Tranche is just a group of something, um, just for glossary purposes in here. So we're saying income tranches. Uh, the first 10 years, if I did a simple retirement analysis and I was 60 years old, the first 10 years of my retirement would be income tranche one. And then I'm referring to income tranche two is the next 10 years that I will be, I'll need in 10 years from now. That tranche has a 20 year total time horizon, tranche two, 
But in 10 years from now, we'll begin to pull income off of it as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I was investing in equities, the way I've set it up is, hey, your first tranche really should be very low or no equities for that first 10-year period. And it goes to my, my illustration before the break. Hey, if I'm buying a bunch of equities and I'm going to need to liquidate my account next year to cover my retirement income, there's a pretty good probability. It's still um, reasonably low, actually, but 30% chance that I'm going to be losing money um, in that particular one-year segment. And on occasionally, and we've seen a lot of this in the last two decades, depending on what the portfolio looked like, it could be a pretty substantial loss, right? Mm-hmm. So if I took somebody who, if it was all in one giant bucket, was say 50% stock and 50% bonds, and for the first 10 years they were going to take out of a million-dollar portfolio, I'm just keeping the numbers around, $30,000. If the market went down starting in day one, the traditional approach, people have a tendency to think, Wow, you know, if we look at 2008, right, and the S&P, and from the very peak at the end of 07 to the bottom in 09, I mean, we were down 40 plus percent, right? Right. So, uh, oh, we only have two two minutes. Is that okay? So we might have to continue this next week. But the idea being that if you see that portfolio go down, and you're just pulling from this blended bucket, I think a lot of investors get nervous because they think, hey, I'm actually pulling out of stocks. It's just a splendid portfolio of stocks and bonds, and I'm losing that money. And only that, if we continue to lose at this rate, I'm not going to have anything to retire on. Right, yeah. So if you have your, say, half-million-dollar portfolio, uh, one day into the next next day, it's down, say, by hundred thousand. extreme example, $100,000. You're thinking it's the whole portfolio that's gone down, which I guess in a way is true. But there are specific pieces of the portfolio that probably have done fine, particularly if you own bonds. So the bonds may have done nothing. Maybe they stayed up 100%, maintained 100% of their value, but the stocks declined so much. Right, and if you could actually x-ray your, your plan, and that's what I'm trying to do is to show it, right. put it through an x-ray and say, really, what's going on here is the first 10 years we have a fixed annuity, our own man-made built annuity here that has doesn't have all the drawbacks of a lot that we find in insurance annuities. But in essence, my bonds are covering the first 10 years of income that have no market exposure to stocks and frequently are actually up when stocks are going down. The second year bucket that would cover me when I'm 70, the income I'll need when I turn 70 through 70 and 80, that might be moderately exposed to stocks. Maybe it's only 20% right. or 30 or 40% stocks. The next bucket, which is 30 years, um, would have a little more. And I, we, we're, we're going to be running out of time here, Ethan, so maybe we can start next week. Okay. And we'll kind of go over this retirement dynamic retire, retirement income distribution system. Um Hope you you got something out of today's show, and uh, thanks a lot for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. enjoyed empirical investing radio with ken smith and ethan broga please join us again next thursday afternoon at 5 p.m eastern time and 2 p.m pacific time on the voice america business channel and for more information about empirical investing radio please call 800-923-4307 we'll see you next week